Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a review of the Steelers game and a preview of the Jaguars game, and Tom McLeavy's going to stop in for another McLeavy minute. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Who day? Week 3 Review. Cincinnati Bengals, 24. Pittsburgh Steelers, 10. A 24-10 win at Pittsburgh. The underdog Bengals. Changing of the guard. We beat up the bullies yet again. This is going to be the new norm for us. And to quote Joe Burrow, it's an exciting time to be a Bengal and to be a fan of the Bengals. All right, before we go into the specifics of the game, let's talk about some headlines. So the Bengals' ring of honor is Thursday night. We're going to welcome in Mr. Paul Brown, Mr. Anthony Munoz, Mr. Ken Riley, and Mr. Ken Anderson. It's going to be a great night for the organization. I'm glad that we're finally doing this. Everyone attending the game, I hope you enjoy it. We probably won't see it on TV, but man, great time to be a Bengal, and our greats are getting honored on Thursday night. It's going to be a big night for everyone. In other news, the Bengals are now a top 10 defense, and it's so well-deserved. That run defense has just been stuffing everyone that they face, and that's helping lead to time of possession and helping lead to victories. So congratulations to Coach Anarumo, Coach Hobby, all the assistant coaches, and especially the players. Then one transaction to report, Jacquez Patrick was signed off the practice squad by the 49ers. I kind of knew that was going to happen. You can't keep a guy like that there too long. Unfortunately, we lost him. I think he's going to be a contributor in this league. I guess the 49ers are going to find that out. And to fill his roster spot in the practice squad, they re-signed center Lamont Galliard, who they waived in the preseason. I guess they're just looking for depth at center behind Hopkins and Trey Hill, just in case something happens. And then another headline, on to the Joe Burrow pitch count. They're not letting him throw 30 times a game. This last game, it was 18 times. I think it's a great idea to ease him in like that and not put him in harm's way too much. Some injuries to report. T. Higgins is still nursing that shoulder. I'm not sure of his status for the Jacksonville game. Chidobe Awuzie has the groin injury, and he's probably going to be doubtful for Jacksonville. And Xavier Suofilo has the knee issue, and it looks like Jackson Carmen is going to be starting in his place for the second straight game. And if Carmen continues to play like he did, it's going to be for the rest of the season. And Jesse Bates appeared on the injury report with a neck injury. I kind of saw what happened during the game. There was one hard hit that he delivered, and he kind of just laid on his stomach for a second. And then he got right up, and I just thought, you know, sometimes players do that. They stay on the ground for a second and, and hop right up. And that's exactly what he did because he's a warrior, but it looks like he might have jammed his neck a little bit. But he's going to be in for the Jacksonville game. And then lastly, on Sunday and Monday, every time that score scrolled across the bottom, Cincinnati 24, Pittsburgh 10, I couldn't help but smile. It's a great time to be a Bengal fan. So I always like to review the Joe Burrow press conference, and right after the game, there was a couple things that he said. One thing was Jamar Chase comes up to him and at one point says, just throw it up, just throw it up to me. And Burrow answers, okay, gotta love it. You know, you're listening to your receivers. It's not like, well, this, these are the play calls, I have all the answers. Jamar Chase saw something, he reported it to Joe, and Joe was fully on board, and look at the results. Joe also praised the offensive line. And he also praised Logan Wilson, and he said that he reads quarterbacks' eyes and makes plays on the ball. So that's a nice compliment to the line and a nice compliment to Logan Wilson as well. Then the last impact quote from the Joe Burrow press conference, he said, 
We're starting to understand how to win. I'm telling you, this team is going to be dangerous. All right, so on to the game. Here are some of the key plays of the game. The first one happened on that Boyd touchdown pass. We hit him across the middle of the field. He's in traffic. Looks like they're going to get him, you know, around the 10 or 15. And then he bounces off a couple guys. He bounces off Melvin Ingram, who's a big defensive end. And Ingram falls to the ground. And there's Tyler Boyd in the end zone. What a great touchdown. It showed his power, his will, his aggressiveness. Really good play that set the tone for the game. You go up 7 nothing, and now the home team's playing from behind and playing catch-up the rest of the way. So that was really a key play in this game. And then the big play from the game. The biggest play, the most important play of the game. So the Steelers score a touchdown. Now it's 7-7. You know, we're getting that feeling, oh, they're going to creep back into the game. You know, did we lose momentum? They scored in less than two minutes before the half, which is always a recipe to lose a game. And what do we do for the second time this season in three games? Joe Burrow, long pass to Jamar Chase. It was great because Chase came up to Burrow and said that the corner was flipping his hips a little late. So that meant that Chase could accelerate on him and get a little bit of separation. And that's exactly what happened. And then as the corner started to recover late in the route, the ball's in the air and Jamar Chase kicks into that second gear that only the elite have. Corner couldn't keep up with him. Jamar Chase catches the back of the football. That is so hard to do. I don't want to hear complaints about his hands. That is a very hard catch to make when you're grabbing that bottom half of the ball. It's so easy for it to squeeze out of your hand. He grabs it, pulls it in. You know, that ball was bouncing down when he grabbed it. He could have easily have knocked it out with his own leg, and he did not. He had a beautiful long touchdown. Burrow to Chase has arrived. The league is recognizing, and that was the biggest play of the game because now it was 14-7, to all the momentum in the world, and we were the ones that scored right before the half and knowing we're going to get the ball in the second half. And then the other big plays were the two Wilson interceptions. So on the first one, the Steelers had just intercepted us, and then a few plays later, we took the ball back. That's excellent for momentum. And when they lined up, they had Hubbard in a linebacker position, and I'm watching, and I'm like, that's kind of an odd formation. They're going to drop him back into coverage again from there? And no. He just came in unblocked. It was like a linebacker blitz from Sam Hubbard, and he nailed Ben. Nailed him right on that bad elbow with his helmet. That's that's tough when you're in, as we talked about before, when you're in the motion of throwing and your arm gets stopped like that, and especially getting hit on that tender part of your arm. You know Ben's been nursing that elbow for a couple years now. That was not the kind of hit that he wanted to take. So it was a pretty creative blitz where, like I said, Hubbard just comes free from the linebacker position. And he gets a big running start because he's, he's starting like five yards off the line of scrimmage. And there was Logan to reach out like a basketball player and kind of just wheel that ball in. Big time interception. Really changed the course of the game and said to the Steelers, Oh, you got momentum? Guess what? We stole your momentum. Now we're going to be the ones charging down the field. And then the second interception by Logan Wilson really iced the game. He drops back. Ben doesn't see him. Makes that perfect interception. And we get the ball in great field position. It leads to the Jamar Chase TD and basically seals the game and the victory for the Bengals. And then in the fourth quarter, the Steelers are down by 17. They need three scores. They're getting a little momentum at that point. And defense holds up, and we force that early fourth quarter field goal. And now they're down by 14. And that's a big mountain to climb. You know, you think about it. You have to score two touchdowns, and you have to stop the Bengals, who are storming down the field every time they get the ball, just to tie. So by us stopping them early fourth, making them kick a field goal, that was basically saying, you guys aren't coming back today. 
All right, some general observations on the game. First off, I was a fan of the Bengals taking Sewell when he came out just because I was so shell-shocked from Burrow getting hurt. I was like, you have to take the best offensive lineman. And Sewell's doing pretty well for the Detroit Lions, but Chase is lighting up the league. He's got four touchdowns in three games. You know, as good as Sewell is, he's not going to provide you game-changing touchdowns, which Chase has done twice already. So I stand corrected on that. I am so glad that they have Jamar Chase, and if this keeps up, we're going to have him and Burrow as just this monster tandem for years to come. All right, so some game observations. We gave up zero sacks. They say zero hits, but Burrow did get hit a few times, you know, some of them late, but it wasn't like he was totally kept clean. But for stat purposes, zero sacks, zero hits against the Steelers. I don't care if T.J. Watt and Highsmith and all those guys aren't in there or not. That's still a very stout defense and a very aggressive defense, and that's a big step for our offensive linemen to keep Joe Burrow clean like that. And then the blocking on the second chase touchdown was just amazing. To see Joe Burrow like bouncing around back there just looking for an open receiver, and if you give him that time, he's going to find the open guy every time. And then we get four sacks on defense. Ben's a hard quarterback to sack. I know he's getting older, a little bit slower, but he gets the ball out quickly. And, you know, give up zero sacks, get four sacks, have one turnover, get two turnovers, score right before the half. Those are all formulas to win the game, and that's exactly what we did. Another formula to win the game is field position, and we had a 15-yard edge in field position. And that was due to some great punting by Kevin Huber, great coverage by the coverage teams, and great kickoffs by Evan McPherson. So 15-yard edge in field position. The interceptions also factored into that. And then, as I said earlier, Burrow only had to throw 18 times. That's not putting him in harm's way. Still was able to throw a bunch of touchdown passes, and we get that running game going. And that's we're seeing that's the formula. You have Mixon carry 25 times, just controlling the clock and controlling the game. And we're not missing a lot of tackles on defense either. There were a few. But not like in years past. We have some sure tacklers on the outside. Awuzie, Hilton, Bates and Bell. I mean, the linebackers as well. But the, the secondary tackling the way they do, that prevents a lot of those big plays. And we're seeing it all over the field. So very good job tackling. And then that all-important first drive of the second half. This is when you come out of halftime adjustments. And in years past, some teams had our number. Steelers are very well coached. You don't know what they're going to do at halftime defensively to start messing you up. What do we do? We have this eight-play drive to start the second half, which leads to a field goal. A nice mix. They ran it four times, and they passed four times. All quick passes. Weren't able to get in the end zone, but still put up a field goal. You know, Steelers down three scores at that point. And then observations on the Steelers' side. Tyler Boyd said that they quit at the end of the game. Dropping a lot of balls, afraid of getting hit. We were playing so aggressively. You know, the last play by the Steelers was so questionable. Just that bad check down. I know it was a zero blitz. So it was like, get the ball out quickly. But then we dropped out of the zero blitz. Ben, I don't know what he saw, just panicked and flipped the ball out there. You know, basically end the game, guys. And then Juju, I mean, this secondary is targeting him. The secondary and the linebackers, he's, you know, he has a bad reputation. He is my most least liked NFL player after the cheap shot on Perfect. And ever since, he hasn't done anything against us. And they were really on him. Obviously, the last game from last season when Bell hit him. That's one of the most memorable plays in our history. And then in this game, Gaither got him. Gaither nailed him real, really good. And, you know, Schuster gets up and kind of fake brushes himself off like I'm not affected. I knew he was hurt. You know, when he got up like that, I was like, oh, okay, he's shaking it off. But I knew that Gaither had really popped him. And Juju out of the game, another ineffective game for Juju. 
and I'm not complaining. And then the Steelers fans booing their team. You know, you don't have enough championships, guys. Ben Roethlisberger brought you two rings, and that's not enough. He, you see he's an old man now who can't run, can't throw the ball down the field, and you're going to get on him. You know, I mean, I don't care. No mercy on the Steelers, but that's really a poor effort out of the fans. It, it's like front runners. If you're not on top, then you're crying about it and complaining and booing your home team. That's horrible because a lot of those fans wouldn't have the fortitude to be a Bengals fan and sit through losing seasons for years and years. You know, these guys are front runners. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm going off on them. That was, that was poor that they booed Ben Roethlisberger and that team. And then another class move by the Steelers. They give away Pouncey's number 53 to a rookie right after Pouncey leaves. That, that's disrespectful. You don't see anyone wearing 18 for the Bengals. And then regarding the game, Najee Harris. So he had 40 yards rushing on the day, but 20 of them were on one play. So those other 13 rushes, he had 20 yards. That's less than two yards a carry. So we really shut him down. I know he, he made some hay in the passing game, but as far as stopping a rushing attack... You let up one big run, then the guy gets 20 yards for the rest of the game. All right, let's quickly run through the position groups for this game. Quarterback Joe Burrow, 122 passer rating, outstanding. Three touchdowns, you know, like I said, 18 attempts, didn't get banged around a lot. Had the scramble, had the quarterback draw. Does the Joe Mixon drop of the ball after getting the first down. Just a total confident productive, successful game like Joe Burrow's been giving us since he stepped foot on the field. And a bunch of sharp throws. You know, the touchdown, the chase, the long touchdown, the chase. He got buoyed on a few underneath. Really nice, strong, accurate passes. A nice slant to Tate. A nice slant to Thomas. Just really crisp throws. So it isn't just like, oh, he had the 122 passer rating, a couple touchdowns. You're watching these balls, and he's just zipping them in right on target, so it was very nice to see all those excellent throws by Joe Burrow. And then the the only two real negatives, and they're not that major, in the first drive, he missed Boyd. Boyd was like doing like a deep out, almost like a corner, and Joe just missed him. You know, it was early in the game. The interception, what happened on that, and I'm not just going to always be an apologist for Joe Burrow interceptions, but in reality, Quentin Spain, one of my favorite offensive linemen, did get beat on that play. And his guy put a little bit of pressure on Burrow, so he had to release that ball earlier than he wanted. So two things came into play here. One, when you get rid of the ball early, it's going to go a little bit high, and that's exactly what happened. Whether Joe was anticipating the hit or was just like, man, i got to get this ball out, either way, it was released a little bit early, and it was a high throw. The other thing, and I guess this was the mistake in the play, it was a really tight window he was trying to fit that ball in. And I respect the confidence, and he can zip that ball in most of the time. But you can't zip it in that tight of a window if the ball is going to be high. So yeah, that is on Joe Burrow, but it was as a result of the pressure in his face on that play. But think about the way he bounced back. You know, you have the last game with the three interceptions. All of a sudden, early in the game against the Steelers, you have an interception. That could have been a landslide. For a quarterback with a weaker mindset, that could have been, he's done for the game. He's just going to have a bad game and turn the ball over a whole bunch of times. What does Joe do? turns it around, and almost every throw from that point on was spot on. That's a winner, and that's an outstanding football player. On to running back, they keep feeding Mixon. He had 90, what I'm going to say, tough yards. I mean, just running the ball hard. They opened up some nice holes for him, but I mean, he just runs hard. When he sees a defensive back in front of him, he's lowering his shoulder. 
you know, be careful with that, Joe. I want you to last the whole season. But no one wants a piece of him, as I said last week. You get him going, he gets pumped up, and he's just looking to hit guys that are trying to tackle him. And it's been working. I mean, controlling time of possession and moving the ball downfield. Joe Mixon, a healthy Joe Mixon, is the key to the playoffs and beyond this season. And so Maj P. Ryan contributed with with one nice eight-yard reception. So he comes in on third downs. They see him back there. They're like, all right, they're probably not going to throw to him. Although they did target him twice, he's really back there to be a personal protector for Joe Burrow. I think it's a great idea. He's a really tough, strong back and an excellent blocker. So I'm liking the P. Ryan role of just coming in there and making sure no one touches Burrow. And then Chris Evans, it's looking like they're showing a lot more confidence in him, and we're going to be seeing him out there on the field a lot more. He was in there on the first drive, and then he had a big first down catch, and it was it was to lead to that field goal right after the half. So he had two receptions. Both of them went for over 10 yards. So that's exactly what we drafted him for, and that's exactly what he's doing right now, and I think his role is going to increase. He's very electric when he has the ball in his hands in the open field. So I'm predicting very good things out of him. On to wide receivers. We already talked about Jamar Chase. I'm just going to say he's a game-breaker. And as a rookie, he's making these observations. He's observing the defensive back's late hip movement and seeing it as an advantage, reporting it to Joe. I mean, those are just... It's not just the physical skills that he possesses. He's got a good grasp on the mental aspect of the game. And through three games, four touchdowns, a couple game-breaking plays... We couldn't be asking for anything more out of Jamar Chase, and I know it's going to continue. And Tyler Boyd continues to impress. Four really tough receptions. He had the big touchdown, which took us out to a lead, and we never relinquished the lead after that. And it was nice to see Tate get a target, and he made a nice play on that slant. It was a bullet, hauled it in, no problem, 14-yard gain. Mike Thomas, Burrow really likes Mike Thomas as a receiver. And again, he had a big 19-yard catch in the third quarter. So it was nice to see him get involved as well. I mean, in this game, it was really just Chase and Boyd. And the other guys were minimally targeted. But when their number was called, they did their job. And they have Auden Tate in there blocking a lot as well. So you might not see him show up on the stat sheet as much, but he is contributing. Tight ends, not much to report. They're just getting into the mix, mostly blocking, playing aggressively. Offensive line, Jackson Carmen was excellent. You know, in the preseason, you saw flashes of how strong he was, and I'm glad that it translated against first-teamers. I mean, he was really knocking guys off the ball and really, really helping that running game. And he had the one missed stun early, which led to Burrow getting hit or pressured, and I was worried. I was like, oh, man, is this going to be one of those games where they're going to take advantage of the rookie? He's not going to know what's coming at him. But, I mean, he tightened it up right after that. I don't. I mean, he missed that one stun. I don't know how many other things he missed during the game, but he was exceptional, and that was a nice surprise because I know we were all a little worried about him contributing this year. You know, coming in overweight, not cracking the starting lineup right away, but it's looking like he's going to be a starter the rest of the way, and very good things can happen if he continues to block like he did. And then Spain had another good game. Jonah had a good game. I know he got beat once or twice by Ingram, but that's going to happen to anybody. For the most part, he really kept Burrow clean. Reef continues to play well. When he limped out of there, I was getting really worried, but apparently he came back into the game. He's not on the injury report, so that's good. So the tackles are really showing up. Spain is showing up. Carmen's proving himself. And Hopkins had a bounce-back game as well. You know, he had a penalty, a holding penalty, but for the most part, I was worried too that he was going to be facing Hayward and it was going to be a nightmare, and he held his own. So good bounce-back game for him. That offensive line is playing strong. And, you know, even when Isaiah Prince came in, I think the first play he was in, he was 
called for a penalty for illegal formation. And that's not fun. You're in there on limited snaps, and you get in there, and, and there's a penalty on you. But anyway, when Reef came out, I, I was analyzing how Prince was doing in there, and he was doing his job. So it was nice to see him get in there and face some real bullets against some first-teamers, against the Steelers, and hold his own, even just for a handful of plays. Because if anything happens to Reef or Jonah, it's looking like he's going to be the first man off the bench. So we need to make sure that he's going to be ready. All right, so on to the defense. This has become a recurring theme just talking up these defensive tackles. They are playing so well. Reader is just opening up things for everybody constantly. Joby has been monster. Tupo has been great, better than he's ever played in his career. I mean, when he's in there rotationally, we're not dropping a beat. And then B.J. Hill, where did this guy come from? Another sack, a big effort sack where it just didn't give up on the play and takes down Ben and, and destroys a drive. You know, what's he got, three sacks on the year? I mean, that's a nice trade for Billy Price, who probably would have been sitting on the bench for most of the season. The four of them are just really the keys to this defense. I mean, every level is playing well right now for the defense, but it's all starting up front. And then Hubbard has that big sack to end the late fourth quarter drive. He had the big hit on Ben early, which caused the interception. So a very good game in the pass rushing game for him. Normally he's good at stopping the run. This game he was showing up against the pass. I like the way they were using him. And Sam, just build on this. Let's keep it going because we're going to need you to continue this pressure in games to come. And I'm calling Jamar Chase a game breaker. I'm calling Trey Hendrickson a game wrecker. I mean, he's in there constantly. And, you know, he has a few sacks, but you're not seeing all these big numbers from him. But he's like a disruptor on every play. He never gives up. He always seems to be beating his man. And it was brought to my attention that he doesn't wear gloves. I just thought that was a unique thing. Keep a lookout for it in weeks to come. You know, most guys are wearing gloves out there. I guess he's old school. But regardless, I mean, he is really turning into the game record that we paid all that money to in free agency. And Camp Sample, early returns on this rookie. You know, he's he was solid in preseason. You see they like to get him in the rotation. He plays inside and outside. And he got that nice hustle sack from the outside. Big play in the game. Hard hitter. I mean, he just took down Ben like it was nothing. So watch for him to grow. I mean, we're getting so much production out of these rookies this year, and he's one of the top ones in production. Even though you don't see a lot of it, he's been in there on on quite a few plays this year and, and contributing very much to this defense. Linebackers, Logan Wilson. I mean, I've been critical of Logan Wilson in the past, and I, I have to stop because this guy can play. Those two interceptions, 14 tackles on top of that, you know, every linebacker is going to let up receptions here and there, and he does. But, man, he's playing lights out right now. And another big play in the game that wasn't drawn attention to was he pancaked Derek Watt. Derek Watt is lead blocking on one play, and Wilson just comes in from the linebacker position, and they just collide, and Watt ends up on his back. And that was one of the things I was saying about Logan Wilson last year was I wanted to see him get stronger and this was an example of that. I mean, Derek Watt is a very strong man and a, and a fullback. And for your linebacker to just bounce a fullback backwards and knock him down, that's the kind of linebackers you need. That's the kind of linebackers I've been asking for. So in addition to Logan Wilson's intelligence, his ball hawking skills, his ability to catch interceptions and not drop key interceptions, and then you start seeing him lay in wood like that, sky's the limit. Just keep it going, stay healthy, and... We're going to watch this guy grow into a really, really good linebacker. And Jermaine Pratt had a nice bounce-back game. He had a great week one, had a rocky week two. 
This week he was active and aggressive. He's turning into a little bit of an enforcer on that defense, and I like it. And he's always going for the strip. And that's going to lead to more fumbles. You know, the first one won the game against the Vikings. And Akeem Davis-Gaither joined the aggressiveness pool. They must have had a conversation in that locker room because the linebackers are playing more aggressively than ever. And Gaither was laying some big hits, and he was the one who knocked out Juju. On to the secondary, Bates was outstanding. You didn't notice him much, but he was doing a great job. Von Bell continues to be all over the opponent's backfield and a sure tackler, and he did decently in coverage this game. He had that one real nice strip where he just ripped that ball out. Unfortunately, we didn't recover. But again, you know, you start stripping the ball, no matter who recovers it, eventually that ball is going to bounce your way, and that changes games. Mike Hilton, I, I heard an interview with him last week. He's so likable and so cool. And then he gives this speech to the team before the game. So that was very inspirational. And it was like, you know, the Steelers kind of did him dirty. He was one of their top producers, and they didn't want to pay him the money. And now he's on a winner. And another one, he let up a couple passes, but any slot corner is going to do that. But he's all over the opponent's backfield, and another guy, a sure tackler, and a real good force to have back there, and another player that we brought in, like your Hendricksons, and your Readers, and your Ogunjobis, all all these defensive guys, another player that we brought in who was going to be directly responsible for wins. And then Phillips struggled a little bit when he was in there, so if he's going to be playing in the upcoming weeks... I want to see him get a little more buttoned up at corner. I know he's been focusing a lot of his mindset to returning punts, but if he's going to be the next man up like that in an injury, we need to make sure that he's on his game. And he showed flashes last year, sometimes played very well, sometimes didn't play very well. In this game, in all fairness, I thought he struggled a little bit at corner. And then Eli Apple, again, they're just going after him. And they do what I like to do. They kept sending different guys. You know, he's covering Claypool, then he's covering Washington, then he's got Friar Muth isolated one-on-one with him. That's what you do to a struggling corner. You mix it up. You continually go after him. And then on to special teams. Evan McPherson, he's got a shot at going to the Pro Bowl this year. And he practices, like, calming his heart rate so he doesn't get nervous out there. And it's working. I mean, you see him on the sideline. He's, like, joking around with the cheerleaders before he's about to kick a field goal. He's not even, like, nervously warming up into the net. It's something about that. That mindset of just playing freely and just playing the game, not worrying about anything, not worrying about failing or getting cut or not being able to pay your bills because you're cut. None of that. He's just like, oh, it's my time to kick? All right, all right, cool. Uh, Spot the ball, boom. All right, we good? I'm going to go back to the sideline. Just really, that's the vibe I'm getting from him. And you keep playing that loosely, Evan, and it's going to be Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl winning kicker. And Kevin Huber, the ageless wonder, still continues to punt well. And there were two key punts in this game. So it was the third quarter, and he puts the ball inside the 10-yard line. Then they have a holding penalty. They end up inside the 5-yard line. It's very hard in the NFL to drive over 95 yards to score. So, I mean, that's a big field position winner for us. And then in the fourth quarter, again, just if the Steelers thought they had any breath of life in there, another punt goes down to the 15-yard line. So those are two key punts in this game that really stole the Steelers that you know you're not going to read about them people aren't going to draw attention to that but when you think about that those are two very big plays for us and thank you to Clark Harris my man for always snapping the ball perfectly enough said on that and then Darius Phillips in addition to the rough game at corner he didn't quite have the best game returning the ball I mean he, he caught the ball every time it was to him I think he had one fair catch decision where I thought he had a little running room on it 
That's fine. He had the nice return early in the game, which was good. And then he caught that one high. You know, normally the guys are catching it in their breadbasket kind of thing or near their chest. He caught the one pretty high up, and that's kind of, you don't really want to do that as a punt returner. I was really nervous on that one. And then on the one play, he went backwards, and you have to know you can't do that. You know, it's one of those live to fight another day. Not every punt return is going to be broken for a touchdown. Sometimes you just got to take it, make sure you have the catch, secure the ball, and bounce ahead for two, three yards and not lose anything. So that's it. 24-10 win at Pittsburgh. Jacksonville at home coming up. Let's just keep this going. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Frankie, excellent. How you doing, pal? I'm on top of the world after that win. What are your thoughts on everything? What a beautiful win. You know, we broke down that barrier of, number one, winning on the road, and number two, especially winning in Pittsburgh. Always great. I mean, that was a solid win. Uh, First off, I mean, we got a defense. I am very impressed with what this team is doing on the defensive side. I mean, it's three games, but this game was really important to win. And for three games, this defense has either won or kept us in the game. You know, hats off to the organization for going on the defensive side for the pickups, the draft picks. I mean, there was uh, Ben Roethlisberger had sometimes a clean pocket standing back there and couldn't find an open receiver. And then the attack mode where guys were getting to him. The offensive side, I mean, Joe Mixon, kudos to the offensive line, giving him holes. Beginning of the year, when we were talking, I was just hoping that, you know, third place we were playing for. I'm greedy now. I am greedy. I'm I'm going to second, if not first. We got to split now with Baltimore and Cleveland. At least split because of what I'm seeing on the defensive side. I mean, Frank, uh, as a Bengal fan, any Bengal fan, you got to be on cloud nine right now. Boy, how about those drops by Jamar Chase? Or that, you know, how how uh, the, the the media was ganging on him in the preseason. Now he'll be Monday morning quarterbacks. Uh, we'll talk about him. And this is without T. Higgins playing. Just a, a, an excellent win. Excellent. You know, how can you complain? How can you nitpick on certain things? Yeah, the team isn't complete. The team has some issues, but come on. We won in Pittsburgh and beat them handily. It wasn't a late field goal at the end to win the game. No. they. You know, it started creeping in my head, and I'm sure yours and all the Bengal fans, beginning of the fourth quarter when they were driving there. But, man, they they stood up and held them to that field goal, and that was it. They, they didn't see... Uh, get close after that so overall Tom how are you feeling about the Bengals right now in this season being two and one and what's ahead of us how can't you be ecstatic about this situation they went one and one against two NFC teams so that loss is in the NFC you got to win your first division and then conference we're off to a great start and we got Jacksonville coming in 
and that's a winnable game. So as a Bengal fan, you know, you got to look at this game now being a big game coming off a high winning in Pittsburgh and then a short week and then playing a lackluster Jaguar team. In retrospect, this could be a big game too coming up. Three and one going into next Sunday, that would be excellent position for the Bengals and uh, for this organization. That'll mean they're getting confident each and every week. So uh, how can you be excited? Week four preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Jacksonville Jaguars. So we have to approach this game as seriously and intensely as we did against the Steelers at Pittsburgh. This has all the makings of a letdown, and no matter how high we are right now, 2-1, and one, we're all thinking it's an easy 3-1 and one on target for the playoffs. You know, all that stuff is valid and in play here. But if this turns into a trap game and we lose against Jacksonville, the season just got neutralized again, and now we're a 500 team about to go play the Packers and everyone down on us again. Fluke win over the Steelers. You know, it could be that whole narrative. So... The key for this team is to just stay aggressive and just out-hustle, out-hit, out-play the Jaguars. No setbacks here, please. Because it has all the makings of a trap game, right? You come off a big road victory. You have your ring of honor at halftime where you're celebrating your greatest. It's like, oh, we can't lose on a day like that. Teams do. We're playing an 0-3 team with a new quarterback that's struggling. We're at home. You know, those are all things that it's like... You know, you could see the game turning and something going wrong and us having a bad loss here. And that could destroy all of our momentum up to this point. So let's not let that happen. Keep doing what we're doing and let's just go to three and one. Let's let's show the nation who the Bengals are. And Joe Burrow is gonna show up under the lights. So trap game, dangerous game, letdown game. I'm blanking those out of my head. I know I said it. But I'm blanking that out of my head. I'm seeing the same team that played against Pittsburgh, and I'm seeing another victory. All right, first series against the Jaguars. Here's what we do. We come out with three wide receivers and a tight end. We send the tight end in motion as a blocker, and we have Joe Mixon run behind Carmen and Reef. Same thing as last game. Mixon right, right away. Let's get in a second and short. Let's show him, yeah, you're going to have to stop this guy all day. So let's set the tone on that first play. Get ourselves in a second and short. Second down, again, three wide receivers, tight end on the left. On the right side, we have that little trips formation and one of my favorite plays. You send the middle guy and the outside guy straight up the field, and you have the inside guy, who in this case is going to be Jamar Chase. You're going to have him do like a nice down and out for the first down. Third play, now let's go to the four wide receivers. Four wide receiver look, 10 personnel. So you have one running back in the backfield, four wides, and we hit Tyler Boyd right down the middle, right across the seam. It seems like early on in the games, that play is always open. Then back to three wide receivers. Mixing again, right behind Carmen and Reef. Let's go. You guys are going to have to stop this all day. And then the fifth play, three wide receivers. The two guys kind of do slants to the inside. We have Chase do the out to the outside. Burrow pump fakes it. Chase goes long. We hit Chase for an early bomb touchdown. I mean, that's enough to turn out anybody's lights. 
All right, so let's move on to some offensive strategy. So when we're on offense, the Jaguars aren't getting a lot of turnovers. They're giving up a lot of points. So that's a formula for an, an offense that's on the move to do well and score a lot of points in this game. So what do we do? We go back to that Burrow, throw the ball 20-something times, mix and run the ball 25 or so times. They have a bad run defense. So this could be the key, you know, just mixing, lighting it up all day, and then Burrow just picking and choosing his spots and moving the ball downfield and scoring touchdowns. I think Tyler Boyd versus Clay Brooks in the slot is a, is a good matchup for us, so look for a big game from Tyler Boyd. What I said earlier, get Chase going early. He's on such a big momentum swing right now. Let's get him an early score or a couple early receptions, get the defense really on its heels, get him all jacked up. I think it's it's key, almost like they used to say with A.J. Green. You know, get him a couple passes on that first series and just watch the rest of the game this guy explode. And then my favorite formations. I want to bring in those trips. A lot of 11 personnel, as they say, right? One tight end, one running back. That gives Burrow some more protection. A lot of 10 personnel which is that one personal protector running back and four wides. So I think they can use those two formations very effectively against this team. And again, let's use the empty backfield just a handful of times just to sprinkle it in and not use it as a staple. Concerns when we're on offense? Miles Jack is very athletic and very active, gets a lot of tackles. You know, he's a guy that can force fumbles in there. So he's someone that you have to account for on every play. Josh Allen, defensive end, hasn't put up the numbers that everyone thought he would. But still a threat to get to the passer. You know, they have Gotsis on the inside, who's a good interior defensive lineman. So they have a couple guys in there. But they're kind of spotty. They're not consistently good through all 11 spots. And then you got to watch Wingard at safety. You know, I find him to be a dirty player. So I'm just hoping, you know, he doesn't lay any, any dirty hits and Boyd goes out with a concussion or, you know, he, he tries to get Chase in the knee. Yeah, I mean, I, it's unfair for me to just single out this guy as a villain. But last... Last year when we played him, I watched tape of him leading up to the game, and I saw him do a lot of questionable things. And then in the game when we played, he was doing some questionable things. So I'm just, I just want to say, if I have a concern, I just don't want this guy causing any injuries with some dirty hits. And then when we're on defense, it's the normal formula, right? You want to pressure and contain the quarterback. And in this case, you have a rookie quarterback who's probably going to be an exceptional talent but at this point, still very vulnerable to a lot of schemes and a lot of creative defenses. So you know he's going to be throwing the ball 30-plus times. So if you pressure him, you're going to lead him into some turnovers and some mistakes. And you have to also focus on containing him because he's got good speed, not afraid to take off with the ball, and you know how those mobile quarterbacks get us a little bit. He is more of a pocket passer, but again, you know, I can see a third and six and him scrambling for seven yards. So we have to be conscious of that as well. Help Eli Apple. If Eli Apple is in there, they're going to target him. You've seen it every week now. So again, roll that safety over top. Run some defenses where he's not man-on-man all the time. You know, just be very conscious. And I know the coaching staff is, but that is definitely one of the things that they're working on in the Jacksonville offensive room right now. They're figuring out, all right, how are we going to exploit Eli Apple? And then just keep doing what we're doing against the run. You know, they have a couple good backs. Carlos Hyde is a good back. James Robinson is their go-to. You know, those guys can, can do some damage if, if you're not containing the run. And the way we have been through the first three games, I don't see that stopping in this game. Concerns? They have a good wide receiver room. Marvin Jones is his favorite receiver, and he's been productive. He's, like, ageless. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I loved him as a Bengal. I'm glad he's continuing his career, and he's got a quarterback who's always looking his way. DJ Shark is a very big talent. 
And LaVisca Chennault is a big talent coming out of the slot. So those guys can hurt you. You can't just say, oh, this is the 0-3 Jaguars with a rookie quarterback. You know, they, they're not going to do anything. These are three receivers that can really open up games if, if you let them. So be on the lookout, especially if they start locking those guys up solo against Phillips and Apple. You know, they, they could do some damage there. So that's something that we're going to have to scheme up and not take lightly because that is an excellent wide receiver room. And then Lawrence, you know, that rookie quarterback, you won't have a lot of film on him. We always seem to struggle against rookie quarterbacks. So anything can happen with a young quarterback. He could be a liability for them in this game, or he could have his breakout game. So just something to watch and not overlook. And then the running backs, you know, James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, those are two guys that can break open a game given the opportunity. And you know they're going to be throwing the ball to James Robinson a lot because they saw what Najee Harris just did to us. That's what teams do. They look at your your last couple games, they see what's worked against you, and they find out a way where they can do something similar. I don't want to jinx ourselves, but I think we're going to blow them out. I'm going to say that everything works, all of the concerns aren't concerns. Four touchdowns, two field goals. We limit them to one touchdown, maybe three field goals. 34-16, Bengals win, 3-1, and one, top seed in the AFC, top seed in the AFC North. We get nine days of rest until we face the Packers, and then we go prove ourselves against Green Bay at home, set the tone for the season, and just keep marching towards that playoff berth. AFC North Standings The Bengals are currently in first place in the AFC North at 2-1. The Browns and Ravens are also 2-1, but the Bengals own the tiebreaker because we have a divisional win. The Steelers are in last place at 1-2. And And also, the Bengals are the second seed in the AFC right now. Man, it feels good to say that. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Jaguars game and a preview of the Packers game, and we're going to welcome in Sands, McLevy, and old friend, Seb Talk Sports. I can't wait. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.